You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let me offer a word of prayer uh, as we begin our reflection this morning. Most gracious and ever-living God, uh, we, we come to you and we, we recognize before you our weariness. Um, we, are, we are weary. We, we recognize how incredibly fortunate we are, and yet um, we, we pray about the, the weariness and the discouragement. Um, and as the scripture often notes, how long, O Lord? We pray that you would bring um, healing, that you would bring an end to this pandemic. I pray particularly for those who really are suffering mentally, emotionally, uh, financially. And I pray that our hearts would be turned toward them, not uh, not just mentally, but also that you'd turn us toward them in ways which are concrete as well, that we might strengthen, um, support, and encourage one another. And all this I ask, all this I offer, in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So last week, we, uh, we were in primarily the fourth chapter of Mark's gospel, and we were uh, enjoying the parable um, of the seeds and recognizing uh, many of the ways in which um, we, we interpret it in ways which, which really, quite frankly, uh, not only aren't helpful, but, but are inaccurate as well. And, and I confessed personally, my tendency, of course, first and foremost, when I hear the parable of the seeds is to be discouraged, wondering what type of soil I am. And when I look at my life, I think I am not good soil. Um, I am I'm all the bad soil that's described. And yet we see the, <laughs> the, the way that God's grace works, the way that God graciously, indiscriminately um, scatters seed upon the ground, um, all the various types of soil. And that, and that at the end, uh, God in his... A mysterious way produces the growth. Um, God sows the seeds into the soil, uh, and it's ultimately the power of God which enables those seeds to sprout up uh, and, 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 to bear, and to bear fruit. And of course, the ultimate uh, foreshadowing of the way in which God will be sown for us in Jesus, the way that he will go down, he'll be crucified, he'll go down um, into the ground, he'll be raised up. Um, the, the power that this points us toward uh, the power is, of course, um, thanks be to God, God's power, and and not not yours or not, and not mine. And it and it seems interesting. And I, you know, this is me, so of course you're welcome to agree or disagree with me. But we have here this parable uh, and this uh, this invitation which God gives to us to enter into relationship with Him and to find Him to be sufficient for us, uh, His His strength and His grace to be sufficient for us in our lives. Um, but it seems that uh, we, you know, we, we talk about this from time to time with friends, you know, the, the, the lies that we've been taught, you know, along the ways, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, that was one of the, of course, the great lies that you were taught um, as, as, as a child. It's kind of like, no, I'd rather have my bones broken sometimes than words. <laughs> the bone would heal a lot faster than, than the impact of those words. Um, in the short term and, and in the long term as well. And another, I think, one of those lies is um, God won't give you more than you can handle, um, uh, which, which I think, you, again, y'all are welcome to believe that. Um, I, I tend to think, no, God seems to often enjoy giving us more than we can hand, handle. Uh, and the reason I, I, I say that is because 
uh, they begin following Jesus, and what do they run into? Storms. Um, they're, they're, they're following Jesus, and, and rather than that steering them away from the storms and the difficulty, they seem to be taken right into it. Uh, and of course, we have this fabulous encounter of Jesus calming the storm. And we hear that uh, uh, on that day when evening had come, and I, and I tell you, primarily I, I want us to spend our time today in, in chapter 5 with the Gerasene demoniac. Um, what, what a story. Um, what, a, what, what a story. But on that day when uh, evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And I've always, that one always kind of, um, they, they took him with them just as he was. Uh, and that always sort of seemed, I'm like, okay, is there, is there significant meaning to that? Uh, and, and reading some of the various commentaries, I think basically what it's saying is, to us is this was an eyewitness account. And they, and they noted that there was no going back to pack a bag or um, you know, running a few errands, getting some supplies. They just took him just as he was. Um, and you know, right from where they were, uh, with, with no delay, they took him just as he was, uh, an, an eyewitness detail, which Peter is sharing with Mark, who is recording this and sharing this with you and with me. They took him uh, just as he was, and other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'm going to say again a couple of things. We're primarily going to move into five. But, but any comments y'all have on that? Questions, reactions as, as you hear that? It's, a, you know, again, a, a reasonably familiar verse to us or a familiar story for us. What, you know, one of the first things I, I can say... Um, if and, and I have, uh, not that I'm some seasoned salty sailor, but um, if you've ever been out on the water when a storm arises, that you you feel very small very quickly. That is a that is a precarious feeling. And they and they found boats um, around this area, and they've carbon dated them to the time of of Jesus. And the boat he likely would have been able to probably have been about a 26 foot boat, which sounds nice until you're in a storm. <laughs> a 26 foot boat is very small uh, at that point. And it had, you know, platforms fore and aft. And then you had sort of an, an area down in the middle where they would, where they would row and be down in the middle. But, you know, and Jesus, uh, Jesus is asleep. Um, we're told on the stern. I, I do think it's interesting that this is the one time we hear about Jesus sleeping. <laughs> the only time Jesus is sleeping is, is in the is in the middle of the storm, uh, and uh, yeah. And so, he still didn't get to rest. They woke him up. Uh, you know what? Yeah, Jesus is like the ultimate parent. Um, yeah, there's never never any rest uh, for Jesus. Exactly. You know, it's interesting too. Their words to him, basically, what they say is, you know, don't you care? Uh, you know, they 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 wake him up. So it's kind of interesting, isn't it? And I, I think that's their. Um, their behavior, I think, is often illustrative of our behavior in relationship with God. I mean, have you ever, in essence, said to God, <laughs> whether silently or aloud, um, don't you care? You know, uh, 
God, I, God, I, God, I thought, uh, I thought you cared. And it's interesting too because we see one of the things we talked about some also is discipleship, meaning that we're walking with Jesus along the way. In, in discipleship, certainly we pray for growth, uh, and we, we pray for growth in faith. We pray for growth in knowledge. We pray for growth and understanding and, and, and clarity. And I think God does give growth. I mean, we hear about the parable of the seeds, the wonderful way that God gives growth um, to you and to me. Um, so we, we do believe uh, in growth, and, and, and yet we, we see them in relationship with Jesus. They're, 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 they're working it out in a very, uh, in a very flawed, faltering way. Uh, we, we don't quite know what to make of you, but but don't you care that we're going to perish? It seems to imply we, we think that you can do something about this. We're not sure what that is, or at the very least, take an oar um, uh, and, and join in. Uh, and Craig, one thing that just kind of came to me, I was um, reading this week, you know, Jesus came to serve and not mm-hmm. be served. And, you know, the Israelites were hoping for a military leader. You know, they oh, wanted absolutely. the Savior to come and be yeah. all-powerful. And I don't know if this is one of the first accounts, but, you know, this is an instance of Jesus demonstrating his power, mm-hmm. his might. Right, absolutely. So even though, you know, they were so disappointed yes. that he wasn't this impressive right. warrior. Yes. You know, this this was an impressive display. I, I, I mean, this, uh, yeah, I'll take this over a sword um, in any day, but but you're right. I mean, one of the things that we see repeatedly happening—that's a great uh, insight—and I appreciate that. One of the things that we see is both the religious and the irreligious are, are trying to define Jesus uh, and, and to hem him in and to box him in and say, "This is what you should be. Um, this is what you should be. This is what your ministry should look like." And we see that Jesus will not be boxed in and defined by again the the religious or the irreligious. Um, that that he will come and he will reveal God. And, and I think the, a good thing for you and for me to remember as we seek to be disciples and to walk with Jesus along the way is sometimes the ways in which he moves and sometimes the time frame in which he moves is challenging to you and to me as well. Um, you know, we would prefer God to move and to act in ways. I, I heard a funny saying years ago, a guy <laughs> talked about, he said, you know, I've, I've sort of finally grudgingly come to terms with the fact that God seems to enjoy blessing people I don't like. Um, like, but, uh, but we see, yeah, their, their awareness. And one of the things that we see repeated is Jesus um, demonstrating his power and his authority. And, and one of the things that I talked about some yesterday with the group, and we'll talk about this this morning, is and y'all are welcome to agree or disagree. But I think an encounter with Jesus brings about a crisis. Um, that, that an encounter with Jesus brings about a crisis, even for those who receive him. Uh, and, and long for him, and I, I, that's that's true in my own life. I can remember one time, while you're in seminary, your first summer, you work as a hospital chaplain, and once a week, where I was, we you'd stay overnight on call, and it was always I always felt like the kid whose friends are out on the playground, like your friends are pulling away, um, and you're there for the night. Um, so you know you go and you don't go home, and you stay. And it was always like the kid looking out the window, like I wish I could go play. Um, but I was excited as well, and I remember one night praying, you know, Lord, I pray that you'll use me. Um, you know, here I am, and I pray that I'd be of use to you. I pray that I'd be of service to you. I don't know what that necessarily looks like, of course, but I, I was very sincere in that prayer, <laughs> and I can remember, holy cow, was that prayer answered. 
I mean, all throughout the night uh, into one situation after another, after another, after another. And they were all, it was interesting because it was anywhere from people who had died or were dying to um, uh, one was a, one was a nurse uh, in Colvin. She just was really going through a really rough time in her marriage and she needed someone to listen and someone to pray. It was so, so she could go about what she was called to do in her particular serving. And, and the reason I share that story with you is that I remember the next morning being rattled. Uh, I was moved, but I was rattled. It was kind of like, you know, God, you really are real. Um, it was, and it was kind of a, a, a little glimpse um, into the holy. And, and as I say, I was moved by it, but I was also rattled by it because, of course, it makes... I think a lot of times we're we're confessing Christians but practicing atheists. Um, we, we, we go about our lives as if God hasn't broken into the world uh, and, and we don't expect big things to happen. And then when God reveals himself, as I say, even for believers, it can be something which is rattling um, for you and for me. And interestingly, you know, they, they ask Jesus to respond and he does demonstrate his power and his authority because there's no there's no particular appeal or prayer he just says the words peace be still so it's it, it's saying that that he himself has that authority within himself um, you know he doesn't you know we, we do see him through the gospels praying to his father we do see him drawing aside to spend time with the father but in this instance he just says the words peace be still and it's done and and for the people of that day as well for you and for me, or at least for me, I, when I think of water, you know, typically I think of pleasant thoughts and vacations and summer days and all those kinds of nice things. But for the people of that time, water in many ways re represented chaos. Uh, water was representative of chaos. It was representative uh, of danger. And of course, it, there, there's, some, there's some very real truth to that. So, so Jesus, um, when even you go, back to, you go back to Genesis, right? Uh, the Spirit moved over the waters. Um, and, and here we see Jesus speaking a word to the chaos and speaking a word to the creation, uh, this external storm, and, and his words bring about an immediate result. Uh, and of course, what's their response? They're really, they're, they're, they're yeah, they're, they're I would say they're a little afraid, they're a little concerned, they're a little confused. I mean, what, who then is this? Um, right? we, we know you're different, um, but are we ready? And of course, the time will come, they're not quite ready to say, but the time will come when, they say, when they'll say exactly who he is. But they're, but they're rattled by, by Jesus' power. Uh, they're rattled by, wait a minute, uh, God might be breaking into our lives. God might be breaking into our world, and we, and we said we wanted it, and we do. But um, it, it it very clearly reveals to you and to me how good and gracious God is, but also how small we are, and and how dependent we are. Uh, and of course, if God is real, then that calls into question everything in our lives, uh, our, our allegiances, and uh, you know the the things that we believe, the things we disbelieve. Uh, it it throws us into a wonderful crisis. So we have this external storm, and this is, I think, uh, I really look forward to our unpacking this next portion because we see a man whose storm is internal. 
uh, and and uh, holy cow, is it an internal storm? Um, and I and I think this is a word which probably speaks very readily to you and to me. If maybe not in this particular moment, maybe you're doing pretty good today. Um, but uh, we have a lot of internal storms, don't we? Um, they came to the other side uh, of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And so we mentioned uh, one of the themes in Mark's gospel is the whole theme of insider and outsider. And sometimes the insiders are slower to see who Jesus is and to recognize who Jesus is than the outsiders. The religious leaders of Jesus' day um, don't receive him. By the third chapter, they're plotting how to, it says how, we, we're, they're plotting how to destroy him. So by the third chapter of the insiders, the religious leaders are looking to destroy Jesus, um, and his followers tend to often be slow. Who then is this? Um, they're, they're slow to see. But interesting, a lot of times it's the outsiders who recognize Jesus immediately. And we've actually seen twice already two sort of smaller exorcisms that Jesus has performed. And the demons immediately know who Jesus is. <laughs> it's not the, the demons are like, we know who you are. Uh, we, when you step up, we recognized immediately um, who you are. Uh, and so we hear, and, and so Jesus, not only the whole outsider of uh, this demon, but He's gone to a Gentile region, uh, and a good Jew doesn't go, to, doesn't go and hang out in the Gentile regions. And this is about as Gentile as it comes, because not only uh, is this a Gentile um, region, but this, the, the man that he encounters lives among the tombs, uh, and, and any contact with death would make you ritually, ceremonially unclean for a period of time. And so he's in a, he's in a Gentile region. This man is living amongst the tombs, which, which is to say, basically, uh, this man is dead. I mean, I think the fact that he's living among the tombs says he's dead. Um, uh, he's, he sees himself as dead, and he's living among the dead. Uh, and, of course, we'll, we'll have some pig herders uh, as well, which, I mean, he's just, he's just doubling, tripling down on the unclean here. Um, <laughs> the surprising way in which God is working. Um, it's, uh, well... Uh, another thought about what Jesus said when uh, Jesus will make the people, of course, angry in his hometown when he'll refer back to the time of Elisha when um, God sent healing not to the Israelites but to the Gentiles, um, to those who are not to those who are in the inner crowd but those who are outside. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. 
and the herd, numbering around 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. And the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Uh, once again, I have some, some things for us to discuss together, but, uh, and if it's, if it's crickets, that's perfectly acceptable. But any, yeah, any, any first reactions to that? Dramatic. Absolutely. Yeah, this is certainly one of the more dramatic and riveting stories. Uh, absolutely. But he also knew there was only one person that could save him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, 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 indeed. Um, it's uh, moving on, on multiple levels, but one of the first ways I think it's, it's moving is, um, you know, it breaks your heart. Uh, it's it's despairing, uh, and, and you know, that's something that we encounter in our lives. I mean, you, I know we've had friends and family members, and and you know, I mean, I guess we've all at some time been in times of despair, um, times of really deep despair, um, and uh, I mean, it just it just seems like a a, a crushing, um, despairing situation, and and we see. We see clearly that's been the response of the people. How they tried to deal with this? They tried to lock them up and 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 lock them down. It's it's, it's clearly been too much for them. We we don't know what to do with you. Uh, this breaks our heart, and so we're just going to try to lock you up. Um, that's that's uh, you know uh, avoidance. Uh, it's, this is too much for and just the crushing. I mean, thinking about him crying out at night and cutting himself with stones. I mean, <laughs> if that doesn't break your heart. It's, it's gotten awfully hardened, um, and, and, and of course our hearts can get very hardened very quickly, but it's, it's this crushing despair in which he lives. He is, he is bound, uh, and we see that the work of our, our, our enemy, um, it's a parasitic work. It's to suck the life and the hope out of, out of you and me. Uh, rather than uh, God feeds us, um, our enemy feeds upon um, and, and we see uh, the, the life being sucked out of this person. And, and, and perhaps you've been in times as well where, where it's pretty rough. You just think, I'm just trying to make it to bedtime. I'm just, I'm just hoping I don't wake up at 3 a.m. Um, tonight and, and, and stew um, over and insert, uh, insert here. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's the human condition. And I think fascinatingly, and I, and I don't think I'm trumping this up. I think this is real. We see that God doesn't steer away from this. God steers toward this. And I think that's a very real word to you and to me. God doesn't steer away from this. The others have steered away from this because it's too much for them. 
uh, but instead we see Jesus um, steering toward this rather than uh, away from it. Uh, and once again, we see the curious thing that he immediately recognizes who Jesus is uh, and he comes running toward him. <laughs> and I put myself in Jesus's shoes. I mean, what would you think if you see this man coming running towards you? <laughs> like you immediately go into, go into defensive stance, defensive mode. But again, Jesus doesn't steer away. Jesus steers toward. And then, of course, amazingly, as he's running toward him, instead of launching himself upon him, he launches himself at Jesus's feet and falls down before him. Uh, and, and the word uh, in the original language is used, uh, re refers to a kind of um, not only uh, subservience isn't necessarily the right word, but, a, but, a, but an homage. Uh, I mean, he, and he falls down before him, just like the woman will fall down to touch the hem of Jesus's robe uh, and, and be healed of her infirmity. This, this man falls down before Jesus and, and he cries and he cries out to him, recognizing. And, and interestingly, again, in the, in the original language, when he, I mean, here he is, he calls Jesus. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Uh, and that particular phrase in that particular Gentile region, what, what the person is saying is, we recognize you as God above all gods. What have you to do with me, God above all gods? Uh, so we see Jesus's identity um, being revealed. Uh, we see Jesus's power. And again, Jesus had the power to address the external storm. And now we see the, the power and the ability of Jesus to address the internal storms. And I think that's a very real and hopeful and practical word to you and to me as well. The, the ability and the power of Jesus to address the external storms of our lives, but also the internal ones as well. And again, oftentimes those internal ones are more challenging um, than the external ones, um, the ones that we feed, um, the ones that we feed uh, and that our enemy feeds. And Jesus, of course, once again, does, does Jesus use a particular formula? You know, is, is, there, is there an incantation or a particular formula used? No. <laughs> Once again, Jesus reveals his power and his authority. Um, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he, and he asks him what his name is. And of course, you know, to give, to give your name to some degree is a confession, uh, is, 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 a, is a revelation. Ask him what his name is. And of course, the name given is Legio, Legion. Uh, and with... Um, a legion was the largest unit in the Roman army, 5,600 soldiers. I don't know if, you know, if we're saying specifically it was 5,600 um, that had taken residence in this person, but uh, it was obviously a large number with the name legion. Of course, we hear that about 2,000 pigs um, went um, and were drowned, uh, were drowned in the sea. Jesus, uh, it, it's too much for the people, but it's not too much for Jesus. Uh, Jesus speaks the word uh, and, they, and they go out and they go out of him, uh, and we see, of course, um, the response of the people. And I, I invite you to come in. So what do you think about the response uh, of the people um, when they come and sit? you? So it's very, it's very interesting. Um, the, the preface of this, as well as the ending, is that, is that God's new covenant is, is not about segregation, it's mm -hmm. about division. And mm -hmm. we see from the, the, uh, the people in the boat, yeah. The storm just harkens back to Noah, and, and God did separate Noah from mm -hmm. the rest of the mm -hmm. world. And yet, at the same time, Jesus comes out and, and says, "Well, I'm yeah. here to that my promises and my steadfast love are about mm -hmm. saving people." Yes. And, about, and so you also have this man mm -hmm. 
just going through his own journey. Yeah. And Jesus, you know, redeems him, but doesn't demand to come with him. And, and Jesus says, "No, return." Yeah. And right. So it's about it's about bringing us together. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate that. I think that's a great insight. I mean, as ministers, we see rather than uh, segregation, it's, uh, it's reconciliation that he's bringing together. I remember this is one of those stories that stuck with me. I remember years ago, I was at an Alpha conference, and one of the leaders, Alpha, y'all may or may not know, but it's uh, built in some ways as a short course in Christianity, and particularly geared toward those who are searching and or skeptical, hostile to the faith. Nikki Gumbel, who is kind of the face of Alpha for, you know, for so long, was himself a lawyer um, and an agnostic and, and thought Christianity was boring, untrue, and irrelevant. That was his. That's the first talk, actually. <laughs> Christianity, boring, untrue, irrelevant. That was, that was Gumbel's, uh, that was Nicky Gumbel's thought until uh, his conversion. But uh, I was at this Alpha conference, and this guy was sharing a story about uh, they were doing an Alpha conference in their church, and this woman came, and he said, I wasn't... Um, I wasn't judging her externally, but I was judging her internally. Uh, and he said, you know, she had had sort of, it's kind of like Jesus meeting the woman at the well. She had had multiple sort of boyfriends and her husbands, you know, a number of kids with different people. She had had addiction issues, so forth and so on. He says, yeah, again, I was out of good face externally, but internally I was judging her. Uh, and, he, and he said as um, she went through it, he said he began to learn her story. And it was one of uh, of abuse and, and uh, numerous things which, which had happened to her. Um, and he, it, was, uh, it was interesting. So he, he confessed about himself. He said, you know, uh, thankfully God revealed to me what a self-righteous jerk I was being. He said, you know, because basically he said, I was born on third base. <laughs> you know, I mean, I grew up with all the benefits and advantages um, to be a Christian and to be involved in church. And I'm patting myself on the back when the reality is I was born on third base. And the fact that this woman has made it to first base is pretty much a miracle uh, of God. But he, but he went on to say <clears throat> she began to have this phenomenal ministry. Um, and, it, you know, once again, he said he had to laugh with God humbling him. This person that he was judging um, internally, she began to have this phenomenal um, ministry and, 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 drawing, uh, and drawing people in and, and people um, hearing the story. And, and I'll uh, circle back around on that in, in a minute. Um, but kind of what you're talking about. I mean, here she was, a person who was drawing um, people in and and wonderfully, graciously God revealing to this guy, he was, you know, he's in essence kind of being the silent Pharisee. Um, like, yeah, what what's God doing, you know, drawing this person in? Uh, and of course, Jesus said, uh, it's not for the sick. Shortly uh, before in Mark's gospel, I didn't come for those who are well, um, but those who are sick. And of course, the realization is that we all fall into the sick category, <laughs> not not just some of the people. Yeah, we tend to call the worst of the worst. You know, those are the ones that we institutionalize or segregate away. Yeah. Sure. Worse, but we're all yeah, abso- absolutely. Yeah. That uh, doesn't make sense because we're, we're all dealing with the same issues, um, but we just don't like the terms. Or and, and, and it's this is kind of a um, a picture of just the last few hundred years or so how we've treated those that have mental mental issues. Mm-hmm. 
and how we're starting to learn to yeah. call it different things. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, you know, it's a spiritual warfare or something going on. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. What they need is just relationship or um, ultimately need Jesus. Um, yeah. Well, I think later when the, when the disciples go out, uh, we'll see a moment when they, uh, they come back to Jesus and say, this, this isn't working. You know, this is too much for us. He says, well, you know, this, this is only driven out by prayer. Um, that, that need and that dependency we have uh, upon God. You know, I think that's, that's part of the, 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 the blessing and the challenge of our Christian faith is that it really does necessarily call us to engage. Uh, it, it pushes us out and calls us to engage but to engage with the realization that, that you and I are limited. Um, and so there's a, there's, there's a mercy in the recognition of our dependency, but there's also um, the, the, the call and the sending uh, of, of you and me to engage. One of the things that is, I, I find particularly striking here is we've been talking about the, the, the power and the authority of Jesus that is revealed repeatedly. But, but we, also see, uh, we also see the mercy of God revealed as well, the mercy and the compassion. We see the power and we see the authority, but we also see the way that that's phenomenally combined with mercy and with compassion and God's ability to go and to address um, areas that are, that are too big for you and for me. Uh, and I, years ago, a friend of mine was teaching the Sunday school class. And I, these are words which he said, which really struck me, and I realized it's often true of myself as well. He was talking about um, one of his particular challenges, which is same-sex attraction. He's married and has children, but he says, that's just, that's one of my, and he's, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great guy, and he's a great friend. He's one of those guys that's just brutally honest. Um, you look at him and just say, you know, I, I admire you, I'm, I'll never be as brave as you. Uh, he's just one of those guys that, 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 that puts it all out there and doesn't, doesn't hide it, varnish it, uh, but, but puts it out there, uh, his uh, you know, blessings and his struggles and all the above. But he was speaking to a Sunday school class and he was talking about that particular area of his life. And he said something which again, struck me and remains with me today. He said, you know, I, for years I was a Christian and I believed that the blood of Jesus was sufficient for my salvation. That the, that the blood of Jesus was powerful and sufficient to my salvation. He said, yeah, after a while, and continuing to think about it and pray about it, I thought, well, why is it that I believe the blood of Jesus is not sufficient to address this area of my life, this particular challenge uh, and this particular struggle? And I thought that was a, a, a lovingly pointed point, um, that, the, that, the, that the blood of Jesus is sufficient. Uh, and so, you know, we, we, we see this person who is... Um, this person who was struggling. And as I say, I, I, I think it's, we, we've kind of been talking about uh, you know, our tendency to say, well, you know, they're much worse than us, uh, in particular, whatever the particular struggles or temptations or weaknesses might be. But I think this is a word to you and to me. And so, you know, to some degree, I, you know, I, I ask you, where are, the, where are the areas in your life where you think, you know, I kind of feel like uh, I'm kind of, whether silently or loud, I'm crying out uh, in this particular area of, of, of my life. Uh, this is, this is the point of despair. This is the the point of 
anxiety. This is the point of loneliness. Um, this is the point of, of fear. Uh, you know, what, what, whatever it might be, because we, we see, and not that it's suddenly, but we see that God not only moves with power, but he moves with uh, genuine and sincere compassion as well, um, that, that you and I might be people who are restored, that we might be people who are reconciled. I mean, he moves uh, in this man's life, and, and part of it is to say, you know what, he moves in yours and my life as well. The ability for you and for me to bring to him um, those things that, that, that wake us up, uh, that wake us up in the night, um, that, uh, you know, in some ways, uh, I heard a saying one time, and I think it's true, if you want to know, um, if you want to know um, what your idols, idols are, where does your mind go when it's in neutral? You know, what, you know, what, what, what pops into it? What do you, what are you thinking about? Not say the subject is the same about your fears. What are your real fears? When your mind's in neutral, they're the ones that pop into your mind, uh, and you say, I'm, "Yeah, uh, the opportunity for you and for me to have uh, to confess those, to put them before God, uh, to whom uh, all all thoughts are known." So amazingly, the people come out, and of course, we see that they're undone by what has happened. Um, this. Uh, they, they didn't like him the way he was, but, but now they don't know what to do with the fact that he's different. <laughs> it was bad before, but now it's different. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, you've, uh, you've, it, it you've, you've rattled me here. Uh, you're so funny. We, my my uh, college soccer coach was one of the more unhappy individuals I've known in my life. I mean, he was, uh, he was a miserable man, and he was really an evangelist for misery. Um, he shared it with us. And it's interesting because... Um, Shortly after we had graduated, unfortunately after we had graduated, he left coaching. <laughs> Shocker that uh, he wasn't happy doing that he wasn't happy doing. God love him, he wasn't happy doing what he's doing. And, and one of my teammates, and he's actually uh, an Anglican minister, um, Craig Stevens is his name. Uh, Craig, uh, Craig and I were catching up. He said, yeah. he said, Craig. I said, yes, Craig. Uh, he said, yeah. He said, I saw a coach the other day. I said, really? You know, he's like, I was like, I hate to say it, but he's changed. Uh, he's like, I don't, I don't want to like him, but he's a changed man. <laughs> he's just like, this is, this is hard. I know I need to be glad about this, but I want to continue to dislike him. He's like, I hate to say it, but he, yeah, he's changed. Um, God bless him. Uh, it's uh, but hard. It's hard for us to deal with the fact when, when God, when God brings about change. And of course, we see the people come and they're. They're frightened. They ask Jesus to leave. Um, this is this is too much for us. You've rocked our world too much. Just go ahead and leave. But to me, this is so simple and so powerful. We hear that they came out and they saw the demon-possessed um, man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. Talk about simple but profound. He, you know, he was sitting there. He was clothed uh, and he was in his right mind. I mean, I, I, I think sometimes, too, the miracles and the mercies of God can be amazing and profound, but can be simple. To, to, be, at, to be at peace and to feel it at, in your right mind, I mean, isn't that, how, how phenomenal is, is, is that? I mean, that, you know, uh, that, that's, that's not thunder and lightning and heaven's opening, but that, that's, a pre, that's a pretty phenomenal thing. Um, to, to be to be at peace. Uh, I think about um, when Jacob becomes Israel, 
and when he wrestles and grapples with God, basically, you know, for for 20 years plus, uh, and he, there's that final moment, uh, and he's uh, he's he's broken, and he walks away limping from Peniel, but we see that he's whole for the first time. Uh, even though he's broken for the first time, he's whole. Uh, for the first time, he's he's at peace in the way that he'd never been before. God has the both the power and the authority, but also the compassion that you and I might be clothed. Uh, that you know that imagery, that rich imagery, which Paul so often uses about putting on Christ, being clothed in Christ and His strength and His mercies and His attributes. Uh, this man is now clothed with Christ, and and he's in his right mind. And interestingly. Of course, he wants to follow Jesus. Uh, he wants to come along with him. I don't blame him. Um, I would want to get in the boat with Jesus. And curiously, of course, Jesus says no. Um, maybe it's not curious, but it seems a little curious. I mean, this, this man wants to follow him, uh, and Jesus says no. And I think this is really cool. Here you have the first person who is commissioned as one of Jesus' evangelists. He's... Here's <laughs> the first commissioned preacher, the Gerasene demoniac uh, from the Gentile region, uh, from the from the ten cities, from the Decapolis, from the Gerasenes. He's the one who's commissioned and who is sent out. And and that's a and that's a break because again, often Jesus commands people to silence, uh, and and that's for numerous reasons. And we talked about chief among them is because they really can't begin, and we really can't begin. Uh, to comprehend Jesus adequately until we understand him through the lens of the cross and the resurrection, until we necessarily understand him through his suffering and through his sacrifice and through his victory, through those means, through those surprising means. But but Jesus sends him out as an evangelist. But here's the thing also I think is, it just makes me laugh because I think it's awesome. Because uh, you know, we tend to think about evangelism. We tend to think about uh, sharing faith. We tend to think about, quote, being a witness, uh, servant, and 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 what's your what's your first reaction to that? <laughs> it's like ah, you know, lock, maybe not, but just kind of like locking up. It's like oh, this is this is really intimidating. I, and what do we what do we typically say? Well, it's the same thing when uh, in in the uh, you know when, when when particularly in the Old Testament when God would call people and they'd say you know what I, yeah Moses I'm not your man I think you know what but I'll recommend my brother. Uh, <laughs> And there's some humility uh, in it, but there's also, I'm sure, a certain amount of like, yeah, that's, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. So this is the amazing thing. So what does evangelism look like? Um, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. I mean, and I really honestly, I think that's relieving for you and for me. I mean, to some degree, what, it, what, it, what are we called to do? To, to tell others, to tell our friends how much the Lord has done for us and how he's had mercy on us. Um, because there are people out there who, of course, and we all, uh, we, we all feign togetherness, but, but people out there are hurting uh, and they're broken and they're you know, and often in many ways despairing and they're looking for mercy. Uh, they're, they're looking for mercy and they're looking for hope. People, a buddy of mine has a phrase, everybody has their bag of marbles um, that they're, that they're carrying around. Everybody has their burdens. Uh, and Jesus commissions him <laughs> with going out and just saying, you know what? Man, God was gracious. Uh, God was gracious with me. Um, he was merciful. Uh, he was merciful to me. 
there, there you have it. How much y'all have are questions or, or reflections? It's, it's kind of a picture of just a, a mini re resurrection. I mean, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, That's a great the, point. The imagery of him being the lamb, which, mm -hmm. you know, a perfect lamb being brought, the sins of the people imputed onto the lamb. And this is kind of a, a reversal. Yeah. Whereas the, the sins of this man, the mm -hmm. demons, are. Yeah. And Jesus is kind of, in a sense, saying, Here are all these tombs. I'm the Lamb. I'm going to be the one who's yes. actually. Yes. You know, you're going to have life because of me. Right. Yeah, no, I love that. You know, that's, that's a great point uh, about that imagery of death and resurrection. I mean, with the seeds, it's very much an imagery of death and resurrection with the seeds. They go into the ground and die. You know, what does the seed do? What does the seed do in order to bear fruit? <laughs> It falls into the ground and dies. That's, that's what it does. And God raises up life and fruit out of that. And yeah, this man was dead. I mean, he was, he was dead. He was just waiting to, to make it full and final. But he's, I mean, when you're, when you're living among the tombs, you're dead. Uh, and yet, and now suddenly he has life. Uh, yeah, Jesus brings resurrection into his life. The, 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 well, it's like when Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is is at hand. It is it is alive and moving now. Uh, the, you, know, you and I look for the final resurrection of the dead, but Jesus makes clear and unmistakable the kingdom is now. Uh, when I've come into when I've come into the world, I've brought the kingdom with me. Uh, when they when they critique Jesus's followers, his disciples, for not fasting as John the Baptist do, Jesus says, "Well, can they fast when the bridegroom is here?" <laughs> <laughs> the kingdom, the kingdom is now. They're 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 rightly feasting. He, he does say, the time will come. Yeah, the, the the time of struggle and trial will come for them when they fast. But you know what? The bridegroom is with them now. Uh, the kingdom of heaven um, has come. But you know that's what I always kind of felt sorry for this individual. I mean, he suffered horrific mm -hmm. um, yeah. demonic possession for who knows how long. Right. And he's healed, and he's safe, and he says, Jesus, I want to come with you now. Yeah. And Jesus says, no. Yeah. You know, and I thought, oh, how tragic. Yeah. You know, he's being, he's been healed, but, you know, there's probably still fear in him. Yes. From having survived this, you know, truly horrific experience. And, and Yeah, indeed. And Jesus doesn't give him that safety. Yeah. He's like, no, you go. Yeah. You can't be with me. You know, it's, yeah, it's interesting, because I... Um, uh, you know, how often do we say, "Well, gosh, God," um, uh, but, you know, uh, and 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 yet um, we we see one. I tell you uh, two things. I mean, one, we see that he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus has done, and everyone marveled. Um, uh, the the tremendous fruit of his life and his ministry, I think, would surely have been something encouraging. But but one of my favorite verses and not just favor in the sense of oh, I really like it but uh, I think it's a very true word and one we need to hear is in the 14th chapter of John's gospel you know 13 Jesus tells them you know what um, the son of man must suffer be handed over rejected killed and um, and Peter you're going to deny me and you know yeah it's going to be pretty tough and then 14 but do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid it's going to be fine you know don't worry about it um uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But in that same chapter, Jesus says these words, and I have returned these all the time. I will not leave you as orphans. I will send you another counselor. I will send the Holy Spirit. I will, 
basically what he's saying is, I will send myself to you. I'm going to send my spirit to be with you wherever you are. Uh, I will not leave you as orphans. Peace I leave with you, my own peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. But also that word um, for the spirit, the, the helper which will be sent to you and to me is, is a word which is translated often with numerous different English words, which tells us that there's a depth to what's being promised. Sometimes it's called the helper. Sometimes it's called um, the advocate. Uh, and that's in the sense sort of like a legal sense, someone who defends us, um, who represents us. I'm, I'm the helper. I'm the advocate. I'm the comforter. Uh, and, 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 and comfort uh, in, in God's language isn't just, you know, I just give you a hug and a pat on the back. Comfort means I'm your protector. Uh, it means basically I'm, you know, I'm the one who goes before you. That that sense of comfort, rather than just sort of, it's it's strong. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so we have that wonderful promise. I'm not going to leave you uh, as orphans. I will be with you, um, and I myself will be the one to be your protector. Well, this is awesome. I. I would gladly go on. Um, uh, I don't know if y'all would gladly go on, but I would gladly go on. Um, but it's about the time for the next for the next round. I love being with y'all. Thank you. Um, love having this opportunity to reflect together. Well, well let us pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we we lift up to you um, the ways. Not being funny, the the ways that we're. Um, we need your, your intervention that we might be in our right mind, uh, that we might be at peace, that we might be restored and, and whole. We, we recognize before you that all of, those, all of us have those areas in our lives, those strongholds where we, we need for you to move uh, and to establish your kingdom in us, uh, your presence. And so we do lift up to you specifically um, our anxieties and our cares and our concerns and we thank you that you move in our lives and in your creation with power and authority, but also with mercy and compassion. And we pray that you would bring to bear in our lives all those realities. And pray that ultimately also that you would plant within us your spirit uh, alive as our advocate with us and going before us. Draw us, unite us to you uh, and to one another, and also enable us that we might with joy Share with others the, the great things which you have done for us and how you've had mercy on us. All this we ask and ourselves we offer in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.